Thank you for being with me this morning. I'm Ty Pinckney. I am the Mental Alchemist. Thank you for joining me. This is the first of many uh, podcast episodes. The goal of this episode is to engage, to address, to dive deep into the mental struggles, um, the mindset of an athlete, what it takes to be an athlete, many of the things that athletes go through. Um, I have every intention of speaking directly to athletes. Why? Because I was an athlete, right, for most of my life. And so who better to talk to athletes than other athletes? And that's not to say that there are not other people who may or may not have been an athlete who can contribute to that individual's life to help improve some of the mental struggles that they go through because there are many. But we want to highlight those struggles. Speak to some athletes along the way. Talk to some other professionals along the way who can add value, insight, understanding. Also provide some tools, some resources, some strategies to cope, to deal. You know, we want to dig into the mindset. We want to understand what it is that they go through just to kind of give you a little bit of further insight into what do I, what I mean. One of the athletes currently that I'm working with is going through some things. COVID has had this huge impact, the shutdown, athletes not being able to play, not being able to do what they've been doing for years, not being able to get out there and express themselves physically, whether it was on the court, baseball diamond, the soccer pitch, the football field, gymnastics. I mean, you name it in the areas where they were so used to being out there and playing. And some of the ones that are most impacted were the younger athletes. And I would put the collegiate athletes also with the younger athletes who were impacted. There were a lot of athletes who came back out of the shutdown and they didn't even want to play sports anymore. They had lost the love for the game. They had lost the love for getting out there playing, being active, competing and things like that. They were in fact ready to just, you know, go ahead and just move on with their lives. So, you know, there were some questions surrounding, okay, so what changed in terms of the mindset if they were extremely passionate about it? What changed? There are a lot of athletes who suffered depression. I mean, they went deep into a dark place and it was really difficult for them to get out and find that somewhat sense of normality. They struggle to find that. And so these are some of the things that we want to get into, but also we want to offer a different approach to getting back to, you know, the life you once had as an athlete and talk to some athletes about some of the challenges that they go through with their workouts, with the schedule, because the schedule can be extremely hectic about meeting all the requirements that they're faced with, especially for those who are headed to the next level or they're taking on a new role or responsibility, first time being captain or leaving high school, going into college, and now it's the summer. And so you graduate from high school and you're expected to be able to sort of just live your life and have a great time. But then, you know, that new coach instantly puts you on program. You receive the packet from your trainer and every day you've got things that you've got to work on. You've got mileage that you've got to achieve. You have times that you're going to have to meet when you get there and you can't come in out of shape. So, you know, you anticipated having a vacation and now that vacation is gone. Instead, you're going to spend six of those days working on conditioning your body for that next level. And depending upon where that next level is, the requirement can be really, really steep. 
you can put your body through a lot. So these are some of the things that, you know, we want to talk about and get into. We want to, you know, address the dark side because not every athlete's past is one that is smooth. A lot of athletes come from rocky backgrounds, from chaotic households, from broken households or dysfunctional households. And in many cases, the sport that they play is what helps them to sort of, you know, navigate through life. It's their way of sort of escaping. And I know that firsthand because that was me. It was my way of escaping. It was my way of getting out of the situation. You have athletes who come from abusive households, right? You have athletes who come from foster care, where foster care could be good or foster care could be bad, depending upon who's running things there. And I've seen both because I've worked with hundreds of athletes who were in the foster care program. And, you know, I've encountered some foster parents who I question whether or not they should have been a foster parent. And I see that kid has amazing talent. However, sometimes those kids are in those environments because they need additional help. Maybe they were in an environment before that was worse. Well, now this environment is really not a, a positive environment. And so the only thing that is a reflection of positivity is when they're on the field, when they're on the court, when they're in the game, when they're competing or what have you. However, even in those situations, okay, if that kid is struggling with mental health, it will start to reveal itself if they don't have the type of support that they need. And that kind of support is ongoing. A lot of times, depending upon the community that you come from, especially if you're coming from a community like where I come from, going and seeing a doctor or sitting down with a therapist to help you work through some of those decisions, some of those thought distortions, things that you've been taught that may not be in your best interest. They may not be the type of things that are conforming to the environment that you're going to be in as an athlete. Now, that's not to say that in many cases that if it's a thing where it's aggression and that level of aggression needs to get to a place where um, it's controlled aggression. To give you an example, say football, hockey, boxing, sports where there's a lot of physical contact, mixed martial arts, wrestling. That type of aggression is something where it has to be controlled and you've got to kind of be on your P's and Q's all the time from a mental state so that you don't lose yourself in the moment and do something that you're going to regret later or do something that could harm somebody where, you know what, you could you could end somebody's career or something like that. And you don't want that to happen, but those emotions need to be dealt with, dealing with disappointment, dealing with rejection, understanding how to process a loss defeat, things of that nature. A lot of times I see athletes who, whether it's coach yelling at them, whether it's them getting into uh, an argument on the field, them getting a bad call by the ref, they're not able to deal with it. One thing I'll tell you, interestingly enough, you know, because I have kids who were athletes, I've seen it where the parents are so bad on the side. I mean, attacking the ref, attacking the coach, yelling at other kids, all kinds of stuff from the sideline. And then you see it on the field. That's what their kid does on the field. They're yelling at the ref. They're arguing back and forth with the coach, yelling at players when they're not accountable for their own performance. Instead, it's everybody else's fault. It, I 
believe it starts at home. However, at the same time, I believe that, you know, if I'm a coach, I'm an athlete, I'm a mentor, or I'm somebody who can get a hand on that kid to say, hey, you know, let me help you out. Let me tell you what to do to process that, or let me show you how to process that. Uh, let's talk about what's going on. My kids, I've always taught them that there's no reason to argue with the ref. There's not. The ref is not going to change the call if the call's already been changed under uh, many circumstances. Besides, when you argue with the ref, that's going to give the ref the impression that you're a difficult kid, you're a difficult athlete. They're going to be looking for you to do something else. Why do that? When a ref makes a bad call, hey, shake it off, laugh. Yeah, next time, ref, whatever you have to do. I, I you know, I, I, both as a player and as a coach, I was always great with the refs. Even if it was a bad call, I would just kind of laugh it off because the game still goes on. We still have so many minutes of play. And I would see athletes who would get so frustrated you know they would get in the ref's faces and things like that i've seen athletes get ejected that doesn't help the team that doesn't help the team and but more importantly it doesn't help you as an athlete so we want to get into to some of that stuff but really dig down deep into what it is that the athlete goes through how they can process those things but we want to dig into it and understand the pressure understand perfectionism you know and why a lot of athletes actually suffer with perfectionism and feel like they can't meet the standard and then you have some athletes who you know what they'll meet the standard they'll get there Um, they'll be one of your your great athletes they'll they'll achieve a a, a level that's amazing and sometimes those athletes who get to that place they crash and burn so we want to look at that too like why is it that this athlete gets to this level and then eventually crash and burn we see them all over the place we see them doing great things um they're someone who could be a great example to other kids however not realizing um, that they're going through something on the inside they're struggling to keep up with this impression of or this facade of who they're supposed to be now that they've achieved this level you know we never know what somebody is is going through a buddy of mine told me that a long time ago you never really know what someone's going through until it reveals itself and sometimes when it reveals itself it could be very very dark on the outside they may look great they're shining they are smiling they've got great things to say tons of positivity all of that but inside they're really struggling and we don't know it could be that they don't have anyone that they fully trust that they could talk to It could be that maybe they're consuming a substance that's enabling them to navigate through the public with this persona. And then when they go behind closed doors, now they're on the substance to help them deal there because of the voices or because of whatever else is going on. This is so very real and a lot of people struggle, but they don't get the help. Mental health goes beyond just the athletic world. Today in our society, in many cases here, I'm in Southern in California, you can drive down the road and you'll see homeless tents and encampments. I mean, all along the road in places before where you never seen that. There's been so many changes that have happened in society that has caused the population of mental health that is on the streets to increase the amount of resources that are available. I know a lot of money has been allocated toward mental health, but I don't know that things have gotten better for those individuals who are desperately in need of the mental health health resources, the therapy, the treatment and things of that nature. And a lot of times I think that not only do they not know what's available, but the families don't know what's available. So that too is a challenge in of itself. So it's setting up the resources, making the resources available, but also informing the ones 
ones who need to know that the resource is available to them. So it goes beyond athletics and it goes into our community. It goes into family and our friends, those people that we love, those people that we work with, and also looking at mental health and the requirements of mental health for those individuals who desperately need it or that we identify who need it, or even in themselves, they may know that they need it, but they don't know where to turn to. It's being able to treat them with love, to treat them with care, and to have that conversation without that conversation being accompanied by a stigma, not pointing the finger or making someone feel uncomfortable because they are working through something, but instead being that individual, being that shoulder, trying to help in the best way that you can, you know, with information. And you know what? Sometimes that could be giving someone a ride to an appointment. That could be helping someone with the research. A lot of times that could be just listening. And man, you have no idea how impactful I think just listening is because I think a lot of times when people have mental health issues, they don't talk to anyone because they don't feel comfortable talking to anyone. And that's even with our athletes. Our athletes, they don't feel comfortable talking to anyone or having the conversation with regards to what they're going through. If they're feeling inadequate, if they're suffering through depression. And a lot of times they don't even know. I hear stories about athletes who, you know, they're going through some things. They're starting to get in trouble at school. Typically, they weren't in trouble before. They were never in trouble before. And all of a sudden, they're in trouble at school. They're having issues in class. Their grades are starting to, you know, drop. And then next thing you know, they're getting suspended or expelled or kicked out of school. And yeah, they were the top athletes. They used to have the best grades, all these things. But then all of a sudden, something's going on. Here's the deal. Although I say all of a sudden, that's not all of a sudden. That's a buildup. So in that buildup, you find out that guess what? Now this kid is also abusing a substance. Maybe they're getting high in the bathroom and then they get caught in the bathroom getting high. Maybe after school, they're hanging with a crowd that they didn't hang with before or that as a parent, you don't agree with. Or you as the athlete yourself, you know you shouldn't be hanging out with this crowd because you know that crowd is only going to lead you in one direction. But you continue to go there because it's where you feel comfortable. At least it's where you think you feel comfortable because you know what? Everything feels good until the hammer drop. When people start getting in trouble. People start getting arrested. When guns start flying, knives and fights and all types of things that maybe before, you know what, you were on the field tackling somebody. You were swinging that bat, hitting the ball, knocking it out of the park, whatever the case may be. But that was your way that you expressed yourself from a physical standpoint. You were in the gym increasing your PRs all the time, your personal records, your personal best. You were taking it to the next level all the time. And that was one of the ways that you expressed yourself. You were inside of a showcase or you were at an ID camp and you expressed yourself through competition. You were in those drills when you were in one-on-ones and that was how you expressed yourself. That is awesome. But when things change and now you're with the wrong crowd, now you're in trouble because you feel like I can't go home and talk. Nobody understands me. Mom is always at work. Dad is at work or dad is not even there. You don't have anybody to talk to who understands what it is that you're going through, who can relate to what it is that you're going through. So now you feel uncomfortable. So you start to look for some other place where you can feel comfortable, where you can fit in, not realizing that, you know what, you have a team of brothers and sisters who may also be experiencing some of the same things that your experiences that you can talk to. And I get it. In the locker room, a lot of times we talked a lot of trash, point blank period. We talked a lot of trash. It was go time all the time, all day, every day. We talked the most trash more than anybody I could imagine, especially if you played football. And then if you ran track, 
fact, it was trash talking too about who's the fastest. We don't even have to run the same race. We're just talking trash because there's trash to be talked. But that's how it is. I think that's just testosterone. And I know that girls can be aggressive too. My daughter plays soccer. She's really aggressive on the field. She's the sweetest girl off the field. If she hurts somebody or she knocks somebody down on the field, she's the first person to see if they're okay. A lot of times she's there before the ref because the ref's on the other side of the field. But she comes and she does what it is that she has to do, which is awesome. We're going to dig into a lot of these things. This is the first episode. I hope you come back. I hope you'll spend time with me. I want you to be a part of this. This is interactive. I like to have conversations. I'll have guests on. I'll have people that you know, people that you don't know, people that you need to know that can provide some information, provide some insight. And this is not just for the adults. This is for the athletes. I mean, this is for anybody who's struggling with mental health. We want to get into it. We want to offer some solutions. Anything that we can do to help you out is what we plan to do. So I definitely hope you'll come back. I hope you'll join me. I hope you'll really dig in. If you got some questions, send me your questions. Let me know what you think, how you feel, what you want to talk about, what you want to hear us talk about, rather hear me talk about, because I definitely will be doing some talking. I love to talk. Best situation there. I love to talk sports and I'm really, really interested in mental health and improving mental health for as many people, especially the athletes. As an athlete, I go back to athletes. I have children who are athletes and and, and it's something that's important. So thank you for joining me. See you next time.